everybody, and welcome to a fresh edition of the Rainbow Skyline Podcast, a podcast about the Denver Nuggets from your friends at The Athletic. My name is Nick Cosmider, your host, and uh, thrilled to be joined today by the Nuggets President of Basketball Operations, Tim Conley. Uh, Tim, thanks so much for, for joining with us today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. For, you know, first things first, how um, you know, how you doing? How's your, how's your family, and, and how are you guys holding up? We're very fortunate. Everyone's healthy. Um, you know, we're lucky. You know, we're... Uh, socially isolating, socially distancing, or whatever the right term is. <laughs> uh, listen to all the smart people and, and trying to do our very small part to help kind of stem the tide of this crazy virus. I, I've been eager to kind of talk to you about this um, sort of parenting angle about this because for me, um, it's just been kind of a, ho- a whole new whirlwind. My, my wife is a you know, a critical care nurse at, at Denver Health, one of Colorado's bigger hospitals. And so, you know, her, her work is obviously far more important than anything that I'm doing right now. So I've kind of moved into this full-time dad of a one-year-old all day, every day. What's, what's been your kind of experience? Like just being, you know, just being right in it with your kids and you guys all being around and, and trying to keep everybody entertained and, and having fun and all that. Yeah. There's no silver lining when dealing with a global pandemic, but it has been fun not traveling. I mean, I haven't gone this long without traveling for probably, you know, 24 years. Um, being with the kids all day, really getting a sense of what they're learning in school. Um, they're four and five, they're young, but some of the, they're in immersion programs. So, uh, I feel like I'm picking up Spanish a little bit as <laughs> they go through classes. Um, and just, you know, very much counting their blessings, knowing that, you know, we're in we have a great family, Again, we have yet to be impacted by the uh, virus. I'm sure at some point that will change. Obviously, it changed professionally. It's a couple with um, we, we had a positive amongst our traveling party. But all in all, just trying to keep these kids as positive and as informed as possible, talking about it. I mean, they they don't grasp it, but I, I want them to kind of know what's going on. So later on, they can have a sense of how wild this whole time was. How much is that? Cause to me, what I'm finding is, is you gotta, you gotta somewhat be creative in terms of, um, you know, keeping, you know, obviously my son has no idea what, what's going on and won't know until la- later in his life when we explain it to him. But just in terms of like trying to keep them entertained outside of that and, um, you know, finding, finding stuff for him to do. I, I'm, I'm like Googling things, trying to, you know, trying to read whatever I can to, to find these kind of activities. How, is that something you and your wife try to set up on a daily basis? Yeah. My wife has been fantastic with it and you know, we've been creative. We had a, they had to do an Olympics versus each other, you know, and very random sports who can build the tallest building, you know, like, <laughs> who could, um, I, I think we're, we had tried to make a movie, but we hadn't dusted off the, the our camcorder in years. So the camcorders, uh, I don't know if it's going to get us to the finish line. Um, you know, making books, uh, studied, seeing things on TV that they find interesting and then researching those things. I think, um, and we have just a whole litany of things that when my daughter says, when Corona's over, we'll go here. Yeah. When <laughs> Corona's over, we'll go here. Yeah. So I mean, she had a birthday party. We had to cancel early on. This is March 15th. Um, so it's, you know, we're, we're very, direct and honest with them. We're not going to scare them. And, you know, we're not going to tell them all the numbers that we're getting from Dr. Fauci right. or CNN, but we tell them, Hey, this is what we think happened. And somebody ate a, a bat. The guy got sick and now we're dealing with this. So their biggest intrigue in regards to the virus is, can it, can I see a picture of the oh. bat? <laughs> no, I, I, I can't find that bat, but um, it's certainly challenging. And also just, you know, let, 
we probably we're not disciplinarians by any stretch. We're probably even a little bit more loose right now, and knowing that um, just as as much fun and as healthy as a day to day can be, the better for those guys because this isn't normal when right. you're a one year old or four year old or five year old not to be able to see your friends, not to be able to go outside to any real level, um, not see any family members. So we're trying to be. Yes, still parents, but cool parents right now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and then on, on the flip side of that, I mean, we, we're talking about, you know, kids, kids are sort of figuring out how they're, how they're dealing with it with the help of their parents. Um, but also on the, on the other end in your professional life, what is that like with, with players? Because, you know, there, there's only so much, so much film you could watch. There's probably only so many games of 2K that they can play. Um, what, what's sort of the, just the, the, the daily or weekly interactions like been with, with players in your organization of just, just trying to keep everybody uh, connected and, and um, you know, on the same page. Try to communicate as much as possible, but you know, I don't have a lot of new information. So that part has been frustrating and challenging where oftentimes these guys look to you for answers and, you know, we don't have any answers right now, not just in our league or societally, you know, no one really knows what tomorrow's going to look like. I think um, Adam, Silver and the NBA League office have done a fantastic job kind of blazing trails in terms of other sports organizations worldwide at taking this thing seriously and, and quickly acknowledging how impactful you know, maybe a shutdown can be to, to limit interactions. Um, you try to keep it fun, you know, whether it's a movie or TV recommendation, it's an article, um, you know, you want to stay as connected as possible, but you also know that um, – you're running, you pretty quickly run out of content because we don't have any commonality right now. You know, we're not interacting. The days for all of us, or most of us at least, um, are essentially Groundhog Day, so you don't have any new stories to share. Um, just try to be there for all the, all your colleagues, players, coaches, scouts, um, anybody that you deal with a day-to-day basis during the season in normal time. You, you try to stay as connected as possible, but certainly it's um, it's not the normal lines of communication because your days are – pretty much the same day in and day out. Yeah. Well, and, and certainly, uh, you know, we, we, I mean, we acknowledge every time we come on just, it just how, how kind of unimportant, you know, this is in the, in the large scheme of things we we know we're dealing with something so much bigger um, than sports, uh, but on, on the end that, that some people find, um, you know, perhaps, you know, distraction or comfort in, um, in those sort of things, how much are you still kind of planning for a season to come knowing that that's, you know, obviously not as big of a priority as, as getting everybody right globally, but how much do you still have to kind of be, you know, be preparing for that? Well, I think it can be somewhat cathartic for these guys to deal with basketball issues. Yeah. Uh, so certainly I find that to be the case for myself and the guys I work with. Um, you know, it's, you pop on a college game and for an hour, an hour and a half, you kind of, you're immersed in that game and you feel like it's a normal uh, a normal day in um, March or April, whatever it is. Um, I, I think you want to keep it on the forefront, but I would say every fourth or fifth message is about basketball. Yeah. Hey, fellas, you know, stay prepared. We we got a chance to, you know, win and if this thing returns, we're, we're in a really good place. Um, but the lion's share of communication is how are you feeling? How's your family feeling? Are you, are you following the guidelines that are being given to us by our state, local and federal governments? Um, do you have any concerns, any questions we can help out with? Um, so you want to keep basketball certainly on their brain, but it's, it's not on the forefront. So um, how do you balance those things is challenging, but it is, I think when you, like I said, some guys in an article the other day, 
talking about, um, uh, I think Dwayne Wade was talking about some players and that was fun. That spurred a basketball conversation. Mm-hmm. So anything creative that can um, kind of turn on that side of their brain is good, but I certainly don't want them to think that we have any real concerns uh, about productivity on the basketball court. Only concerns right now is being healthy and being safe and, and having the same thing for your friends and family. Yeah. You know, and, and you mentioned balance from a front office perspective, you're, you're always looking ahead you know, to the draft and the off season, even during the course of a season, you're, you're sort of balancing those two things of looking to the future, but also addressing what is ever, whatever is at, at the present time. Is that even more, is that happening to even a greater level now when you have probably time to watch every game that every, you know, prospect is, has played in their career versus, you know, also scouting whatever opponents for this season? Like, is, is there, is there just much more of the, kind of playing in both of those fields now? I think it's expedited the draft because my guess is when we have a draft, uh, it it will be dissimilar to what we're accustomed to in terms of workouts and camps. Um, So I think the last piece of competitive basketball has likely been played for draftable guys. I actually, I, I enjoy that. I think, you, you can, and I've made the mistake numerous times where the post competitive phase can really fool you. Um, interviews, workouts become, it's the last interaction with these guys and you forget what two, three years or 30 games shows you. That's who the player is, not what the guy looks like on a six workout, workout in eight days, um, you know, at 10 a.m. in Denver. Um, so I think in some degree, It'll give us a more pure mm-hmm. scout. Um, I think, you know, we won't be as impacted by those things. And sometimes those things should be impactful. You know, being able to look a guy in the eyes and have a conversation to see culturally if he's a fit for your team. Um, I think, like, what we have a call after you and I get off. We have a call about um, another group of prospects. I just think we're much further along relative to the schedule. And I do think um, – you can't know all these guys. You know, you, you can be conversational with 100 players, 120 players, but you can't know all of them. And it'd be unfair for us, for any of us to expect our scouts to know these guys intimately. Yeah. I do think we, we've kind of taken a tack the last couple of weeks. Let's, let's let's really dig in five to seven guys a week, like really dig in. Um, and when you get on those calls, it's neat to hear how knowledgeable your staff is about those guys to a level that, you generally can't expect. I mean, when we, when we get through this, by the time uh, you know we get, we approach what we think might be the draft, and who knows that date will still be there. I, I think we'll be probably more informed than we've ever been. But um, you know, it, it's still weird not seeing guys in conference tournaments, except for a day or two, or some of those other conference tournaments, mm-hmm. and not seeing how guys can uh, raise their game in the NCAA tournament. It's it's going to be challenging. But should all in all, we're we have so much video. We we make all our background calls, um, and we feel like we're being as proactive as possible. But even with our scouts, you know, we, we yeah. want to work these guys, and we want to make sure that they're not sitting home just twiddling their thumbs, but they have families that they have concerned about. So even with, with our basketball operations department, hey, we're going to work, but believe me, work is should not be your primary focus right now. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm curious. I mean, it, it must it must give you some excitement that um, obviously that you guys in, in a Feb- in, in the February trade um, acquired a, a first round pick um, after after not having one last year. I, I'm always curious, like 
is that such a super long gap when you're when you're talking about obviously you prepare as if you could always get into that first round but to actually have one does that does that elevate kind of the I guess the juice get the juices flowing about this whole process yeah I think so I mean I'd like to think last year we went into without a draft pick and we prepared the same way we had in previous years Mm -hmm. but I would imagine if we audited that process that we would find you know to what level if you have the picture you just get a little more are you a little more wired a little more aware of the landscape I guess that's probably the case um right now we really don't have anything else to focus on you know fingers crossed that they'll be a return to play but that's a seemingly a long way out mm-hmm. um we don't know what that's going to look like um so you know you, you can look at you can focus on free agency but it's a very incomplete free agent picture when you're not playing the last 15 17 games and you can look at international basketball, um, things we do on an ongoing basis as is. But um, all, all your efforts are really pointing to the draft right now because it's you, know, you, you kind of get a sense of where we'll be and you get a pretty good sense of what guys might be there. Yeah, and that, on that on that same note, if if the season weren't to to happen, which I, I think there's obviously you know this the still hope is that that it would, but but should it should it not? How, how much would that will that just change overall? evaluations and approaches for an off season when you didn't get that, that evaluation period of, of the playoffs that, that is so important to, to front offices. It'll be really hard and it'll be unprecedented, but yeah. it, you know, it's, we're, we're all on the same playing field. So it won't be any more challenging for us than it will be for our, for our competitors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're drafting a player, signing a player, trading a player, you're, you're guessing, you're guessing, based off of as much information as you can control as possible. You know, you, you want to be fully informed on those guesses, but still a guess how a guy will react to your team. It's always a different role. Um, how, how do guys mature? Um, you know, how do guys, are you catching guys at the right point of their career? Um, it's all those things won't change. It'll just change the, the, as we stand right now, again, very optimistic that, We'll see more basketball once, and hopefully we've societally we kind of figure this thing out and then start to make some real progress. Um, you're you're just missing such an important evaluation time when you see the lights are the brightest, see how guys react, and it's just like the draft though. Sometimes those guys can fool you. They can have a good playoff mm-hmm. series and they can play themselves in a huge contract, and you look past you know 82 games of relatively mediocre productivity. We've seen examples of that. Just like the draft, we've seen guys that have gotten hot and been tournament darlings. Mm-hmm. They'd enter the draft, enter the tournament as fringe guys, have great runs, and end up as first-round guys, and they flame out. So I think the encouraging thing is um, there's no there's no one-size-fits-all scout, whether it's free agency or the draft. You try to use as much empirical evidence as possible and, and cross your fingers that when you select somebody that it's the right selection. Yeah. You know, last thing I just wanted to ask you about your players was, you know, obviously you guys have members of your organization, both the, both players wise and in other parts of the organization who um, ha- have family overseas and they're, they're from, you know, Europe and other places. What has it been like for, for those, um, you know, those people in your organization that's, um, you know, are kind of not only dealing with what the, the global pandemic on this front here in, in Colorado, but also are, are trying to monitor their families. What, what have those conversations been like in just terms of how you, how you kind of offer support there? I think that's especially challenging. Um, you know, we have, um, a couple guys from Europe in Vladko and Nikola. Nikola's fortunate enough to have 
you know, great family in town mm-hmm. uh, with Shahinya and Nemanja, and he's got a, a wonderful fiance. So his day to day is is has changed slightly, but he's got a support group in town. Uh, his country, Serbia's dealing with the same things we're dealing with. Uh, Vlako is a, a young single guy, first year in the NBA. So, you know, he's, he's really isolated and he's, it's tough enough to be here when things are going great when you're one of one. Now you couple that with no buildings being open and no normalcy. So he's a guy that you know, we're trying to talk to as much as possible, trying to stay as connected as much as possible, but it's hard for any of us. It's hard for you know, PJ Dozier or Tory Craig thinking about family in South Carolina. They're pretty far away. Some of the guys who've lived fairly close were able to, seamlessly get back to their family but um you know when you're living on the other side of the country or in europe it's that much more challenging and and you're just here and you're it's um it, it's certainly not easy i mean it's something probably we're all dealing with right you have you have family in phoenix our yeah. family primarily is back east baltimore and dc and the ability to be there or help is um certainly adds even more stress to an already stressful situation yeah, I, I found that uh, garage FaceTime beers uh, with with friends and family has been kind of a. Um, I've heard about that. These, these FaceTime and, and <laughs> Skype and uh, Zoom happy hours. I've heard that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's even breweries that are doing where they'll send you kind of like a, um, you know, the the package for whatever their happy hour tasting is, and then they'll they'll set up a Zoom virtual happy hour where everybody can just get on and. You know, so that, that's kind of part of the fascinating thing to me of just how, again, you mentioned, you're right. There's, there's no silver linings. It wouldn't be fair to call any of these things silver linings, but at least curiosities about how people have, you know, just adapted to it and, and the things that we've seen just as a result of all this. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, on a, a grander scale, I hope we all have a better appreciation for how much we all need each other. This virus is impacting every, socioeconomic level it doesn't matter where you're from doesn't matter how much money you make um and you see some of these people like your, your wife you know a nurse couldn't imagine you know, she, those first responders the people that clean the hospital the delivery people um you know I, I think when everything's going right we always tend to take things for granted and i, I would hope and, and i'm pretty optimistic it, we're going to emerge from this um, stronger, and we're going to emerge this with a much greater sense of how, how we all need each other. Yeah. And I, I don't think, um, I don't think there was any semblance of that prior to this. So um, I, I do think you would be, you know, really buried your head in the sand right now if you didn't realize how many people that you never thought mattered in your life. You know, from truck drivers to trash men to I mean, you name it, and obviously the nurses, the doctors, the the people who work in hospitals behind the scenes. Um, these people are, are oftentimes anonymous, and right now, without them, our, our society would be at a full halt. Yeah, no, you, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, I want to get get you out of here just with this. I, um... We'll save the Tiger King discussion for another time because I, I know that could go any number of ways. But um, the, the ESPN announced the other day that they're moving up the Michael Jordan documentary to, to start on April 19th. And you, I'm just curious what your memories were when you first got into the league, if I'm correct, in 1996 uh, with the Wizards. What was just your memories of being a young guy just getting into the league of, of what the Bulls were at that time? I mean, you know, iconic franchise, obviously – to me, he's the uh, I think he's the greatest athlete of all time. Uh, you can debate who the greatest player of all time is, but in terms of global impact, um, I, I think it's MJ. I was lucky enough to work for him 
and then he played for a couple of years when I, when I worked for the team. So to, and this is pre, this is pre social media. This mm-hmm. is pre documentaries. This is with the, the Jordan you knew was only the pre packaged Jordan that, you know, you saw on, um, on NBC. <laughs> yeah. Um, so to, you know, I, I didn't, I, I didn't know, barely knew, you know, much about him beyond the player. Um, so to be able to see, get to know him as, as a human being and a, a really nice guy, a guy that helped me a lot in my career to, you know, to that first meeting. And I was, you know, completely a, a minion. Um, and I was lucky enough to just kind of hang around the back, but first meeting, um, hearing MJ talk basketball, it was you know one of the coolest moments of my professional life. Um, being at his last game ever, Obviously, it, was, it wasn't at the same level of player in D.C., but he was still a heck of a player. We played Philadelphia in the last game of the year and kind of witnessing the last time Michael Jordan played basketball. Um, I remember his return to play. Our training camp was in Wilmington, North Carolina, and I was um, helping out in the video room, just kind of a Swiss Army knife doing whatever. And I remember the doors opening to our the University of UNC Wilmington's arena, mm-hmm. and it sounded like a swarm of bees came in because there was that many media. <laughs> it was <laughs> like it was like what I'd imagine if you were traveling with a you know the Beatles. Um, so I was very fortunate as a fan. Obviously, I, I can't tell you how many Jordan memories I have, and then to kind of have him have the ability to watch him play and to work with him and to learn from him is about as cool as it gets for a basketball nerd. Yeah. I, I was, I was an eight year old growing up in Arizona and so was obviously a big Suns fan. So I, I, when that 93, that 93 finals is what like sort of, um, drew me to basketball kind of as an eight year old, eight year old kid and fell in love with that after that. I just think Jordan has so many of those different kind of connections to people that, that they resonate with, especially of, of our generations that, uh, I'm just excited for people to get to kind of see this, this side of him almost as a reintroduction, uh, for, for, for even younger kids. Yeah. He's, we've seen countless superstars, but you know, I think when it's all said and done, he kind of, he is the superstar in my opinion. And it's, I can't wait to watch the documentary. He's a fascinating guy. He's, he's a guy that's, you know, been great to me. And um, anytime I get audience with him, I still kind of pinch myself that I'm talking to Michael Jordan. And I think um, should, the more good TV, the better right now. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And, and we'll obviously find it because we, we, we have the time. Yeah. Tim, Tim, thank you. Uh, thanks so much for, for joining us on the pod today. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, stay safe to you and your family. And, um, you know, th- thanks again for, for stopping by. Yeah. Thanks. Please thank your wife for all of us. What she's doing is amazing. And, uh, thanks for having me. I will do. And until next time, everybody, thanks for stopping by. We'll have another episode next week. Until then, thanks for stopping by. Mm-hmm.